I want you to invite yourself to do things only that feel good. If you're doing it because you feel like you should or you have to, other than being a parent or caretaker, then there's not a actual energy or essence of true reciprocity in necessarily showing up in that energy. Hello, thank you so much for tuning into the Active Ingredient Podcast. I am your host, Sophie Wheel, and I am a deeply curious person on my own personal journey of self-discovery and personal growth. This is a podcast all about the journey and figuring out what makes us come alive and prioritizing whatever that is every single day. When I started the podcast over two years ago, I thought that I would get the answers externally. And the more conversations I had and the more work that I did on myself, the more I realized that every single answer and all of the truths lie within and in the silence. I know that may sound a bit overwhelming, which is why my mission is to have candid conversations with relatable humans who I feel have truly come alive and get really clear about how they've come home to themselves, as well as share my own discoveries along the way. Welcome to Active Ingredient. My biggest wish for you is that you feel alive and that you tap into your active ingredient every single day. Hello, welcome back to Active Ingredient. We have another guest show this week, but before I get into our guest of this week's episode, um, I just wanted to give a little personal update that I am back in Miami after a whirlwind of a week in New York. It was amazing. One of my best friends got married. If you follow me on Instagram, you saw that one of my best friends got married to another one of my best friends. And it was just the most incredible, magical week. So many of my friends that I hadn't seen in a really long time, we all came together in New York where we all lived. Well, where I still kind of half live, but we all were together in the area that we have always hung out in, which is in Williamsburg. And it was just so nice. It was really, really nice to all be together, to be with your close friends, to laugh that much. Yeah, I came back to Miami and I came down with uh, a little something, something. So if I sound a little bit congested, it's because I am sick. I guess my body did just, it did not know what to do with that much adrenaline and excitement and like staying up late. I don't know. But yeah, so if my voice sounds a little funny in the intro, it's because I am a little bit sick. So the guest of the show this week is someone that I am obsessed with. I honestly, I really, really love her content on Instagram. If you do not follow her already, you really, really should. She's for sure one of my favorite mental health accounts. So the guest of the show this week is Yasmin Cheyenne. So again, if you do not follow her, please right now pause the intro and go follow her because truly what I feel about her work is that it is coming from a deeply aligned place. Every single post that she puts out there, I'm like, how do you constantly have that level of wisdom and that level of insight on a daily? She posts several times a day and it's every single one of them is just truth. And that takes a level of being connected to source that I, I mean, I clearly, I witnessed it in our conversation. So Yasmin is a self-healing educator, author, speaker, and mental wellness advocate who helps people learn how to cultivate daily practices to build healthy and joyful lives. She has an online community of over 150,000 followers. She is the host of her own podcast, which is amazing, by the way, called The Sugar Jar Podcast. She recently launched her Sugar Jar app, which we get into in the show, and she's writing a book. 
We don't know much about it, but it is in the works and I cannot wait. I will definitely be pre-ordering. So on this episode, we get into her path from being in the Air Force to now working in the mental health space and in the content creation space. Why the path to personal growth starts with understanding boundaries and how to implement them. Stepping out of codependency and shifting from overgiving to making sure that you are giving to yourself first. Taking full ownership of choices and why asking people what they need versus what you think they need can actually transform relationships and being on alert for the word should, among other things that we talk about, of course. So with that, welcome Yaz to the show. Thank you so much for being in studio. Sorry for this like back and forth with <laughs> <It's> construction, <New York. laughs> literally. But thank you so much for coming thank early here in New York. I'm with literally one of my favorite creators in the mental health space. So I always kick off the podcast asking guests what they were like as a kid that they remember. And it could be what you remember or what other people tell you your personality was like as a young child. What was little what was little Yaz like? Yeah, you know, I'm from New York, so definitely very creative. I just loved the idea of being able to create whatever I wanted and trying to see how I can make it come to be. Me and my friend, for example, in sixth grade, created a magazine and we would talk about everything that was going on in school and then we would sell it. Like I've, we've always had wow. this just tenacity for seeing if we can make things happen and then trying to do it. We actually got in trouble because we used school paper, but... <laughs> Are your are your parents creative too, or is My that just like innate? She owned a business in uh, Brooklyn in Bed Stuy where she designed parties and wedding events, and yeah, she's creative. So I think that's definitely where I saw for the first time. Oh my God, you can be creative and own a business and do that. So I asked the question a lot because I do find, and I would love to hear your take on this from being an expert in the space. But from doing the podcast for over a hundred episodes, I've mm-hmm. found with a lot of people that I feel like are living in their active ingredient, they like come home mm-hmm. to these childlike qualities. Do you feel like you kept that creativity throughout your whole life? Or was there ever a point where you kind of lost it and then you regained it or like you came back home to it? Or was it just a through line throughout your entirety of your life? I think I definitely kept the creativity. Even when I was in the military, I was definitely still using my creative self as much as I could. But I lost a bit of the naivete, which I think is the normal part of growing up. Mm -hmm. But that naiveness of anything is possible is like the coolest part to me because Mm -hmm. you really don't think as much about the risk. You're more so concerned with just going for it. And I think I definitely still have that in me, for sure, creating an app and yeah. putting myself out there. But I, I more so think about the calculations, and I think that's just a part of yeah. having more wisdom. Do you think that in the Air Force you lost it a little bit? I wouldn't say I lost it in the military, but I think just going through life and seeing other people's experiences and making decisions and things not working out the way that I, I planned or hoped or recognizing okay, you actually have to have a budget. You have to be funded. Like there is some just go for it. That's great. And also you have to like plan and and really make sure that you can hold on to what you're trying to build. So I think definitely didn't lose it in the Air Force, but I think just naturally that's where I grew up. That was like my college for someone who graduates from high school and goes to college. That was my growing up experience and my first out of New York in the real world experience. Okay, so I want to get into how you were drawn to that in the first place. Did you have an idea when you were little of what you wanted to be doing? And like, was this always part of the plan? Or did something happen that opened you to wanting to join the Air Force? Like, what what was that 
Definitely not part like, of the plan. Okay. I wanted to be a lawyer. Always wanted to be a lawyer. Why? I have no idea. I just, inside, I knew I wanted to help people. So Here to me, <laughs> <laughs> uh, law was like, oh, that's a great way to be able to do that. And so when I graduated from high school, you know, I just recognized all of the the debt, you know, not I didn't have debt, but I didn't want to have all of the debt totally. that comes with going to school. So I said, well, I'll join the military. And I joined the Air Force. And by sheer luck, I end up in JAG, which is the legal department of the Air Force. Wow. And so I got to have the experience of being in legal and doing the job that I wanted to do and then recognizing, oh, my God, this is not it. <laughs> How long were you there for? I, would, I did it for five years, five years on active duty. So when I was doing that in the Air Force, I also had the opportunity to work with domestic violence victims because a large part of what we do in JAG is prosecution, you know, criminal investigations. And that is what started where I am today, holding space for people who have been through horrific experiences and traumas and recognizing that I had an ability to be there for them and hold space for them and help them figure out how to get to the next step in their lives. I knew I wanted to keep doing something like that. It felt like like that, just that like wink moment. This is it. This is it. I don't know what this is yet, but yeah. It's a breadcrumb. That's yeah. what I always say is the breadcrumb. It's like, what is it about the current situation? There has to be something within a current situation that is that wink, mm-hmm. that breadcrumb. That's, that's like a little something that's like a little flutter in your stomach that you're like, something about this feels better than Mm -hmm. the bigger part, maybe. I'm really curious because I actually had no idea that the Air Force did that. Like, I didn't know that that was a part of it. I'm sure that most people don't know that. Do they train you from like a psych perspective on how to communicate and how to help these women or these people? So every branch has a legal department and every branch has someone who is supporting victims of domestic violence. There's also an actual SARC, sexual assault, I don't remember the RC, but basically a sexual assault nurse or counselor okay. who's someone who would, would go to first, who's also trained. The victim advocate, which was my role, is the person who helps them through the legal process, but also might help them through finding funding, you know, different things to help them. And so, yes, you go to training through the military, but you also go through civilian training. Like I went to D.C. and went through training with the Office of Victim Advocacy. I, I might be messing that up, but there's a there's an office, okay. the Vict- Office of Victims of Crime in D.C. That training changed my life because I got to meet so many people from all over the country who are doing different things for victims. And I was like, oh, my goodness, why are we not all connected? I mean, obviously, I didn't get to actually spearhead that program and connect all of us. But just seeing how there were so many people who had dedicated their entire lives, learning from them, getting their contact information because I was, and then be able to call them and say, hey, I have someone who's moving to Georgia. What can I do? How can I, you know, set them up when they get there? It was a game changer. So yes, we do go through training. I will say I took the training program a step further. It was supposed to just be paperwork, really. And then I was like, no, we have to do more. And so I just, I was in a really good office and had a lot of support where they allowed me to go to the next step and really just, dive into supporting them. What an incredible opportunity. What was something in that time that you were like, wow, this is a learning that I didn't know about people that are victims of domestic violence that you, like, it could be something that you were like, wow, I didn't know that this type of working with them would resonate with them at this level or just any sort of learning that you had that you would have not expected. Yeah. I'll never forget this one woman who 
basically was one of the people who technically I wasn't supposed to help. She didn't really fall into the parameters, you know, in government programs and things like that. If you don't hit all the checks, then usually it's like, sorry, we can't help you. And I was just like, there's just no way this woman is divorcing her husband who is military because she's divorcing him. She gets no rights. She gets no help. And so I was just determined to find a program for her. And eventually I found someone who would help her and I harassed this woman. And the woman came through and we got her like tens of thousands of dollars of funding. She had five children. And so amazing. That was when I realized like, it's just not giving up on people or seeing how you can take that next step and help them get to the next place. You know, if you have an opportunity to reach out to someone who could potentially help someone, like why not take that step? That changed so much for me. That's so And it changed her life. That's an incredible story. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this was like a part, this was the breadcrumb that you were like, there's something in here that this feels like it's something mm-hmm. for me. How did you then transition to what you're doing now? Well, I think working with domestic violence and victims of sexual assault and child abuse, all of those things really can push you into your own healing. Because mm-hmm. like, whoa, this is a lot. I'm holding a lot of space for people. I need to put this someplace. Mm-hmm. So I started my own healing journey, you know, going through therapy, going through all the things and... Just going through my own journey, it felt like an initiation for me personally. But then also it was like this whole new world that I knew I wanted to be able to to dive into and to begin to connect with people on that level. I didn't know how I was going to do that. It took So from that point of starting my own healing journey, it was probably another three or four years before I realized, okay, this is what I want. This is how I'm going to be able to do it. I'm going to go through coaching school. I'm going to go through all of these other programs to find ways to continue to strengthen my craft and be able to connect with people. When you went to coaching, what was it specifically for? And has it evolved? I did plain life coaching. Life coaching. Because I just wanted to learn the basics because I, I kind of already knew that I wanted to develop my own way of connecting with my clients yeah. and the people that I was working with. And so I did plain life coaching through World Coach Institute. It's the ICF. It's a certified program. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. It was hard. I did not expect it to be. I know. So I feel hard. like nowadays, like there's this misconception with the coaching world. And I don't know, maybe you've been in it for a mm-hmm. long time. So I feel like a lot of people don't give it the same level of like credibility as being a a psychiatrist or a therapist or whatever. But like, I'm actually interested to hear what this program was like so so we can share that no coaches actually go through full training. So I always say this, I I love therapy. And I think that there's definitely a place for having a therapist. Maybe you have a coach, they do different things. I both. And therapist, (laughs) right. And then therapists. Like I need the whole team. (laughs) Therapists and psychiatrists do do a different kind of training and devote their lives to licensing and the credentials that they have to keep up with every year. So it yeah. is different. And yet coaches are still able to make big impacts. That's that's the part that I think is totally important. There are some people who are like, therapy's not for me. I'm like, have you tried coaching? Coaching's not for me. Have you tried church? I don't know. Whatever it is <laughs> that's going to connect with you, find that thing. So yeah. for me, in that coaching program, it was learning how to talk to people, learning how not to give too much. They wouldn't have called it this, but learning how to hold space. And I think for that coaching program that I went through, it was a lot about giving them the tools, the next steps to take, like the checklist type things that a traditional coach would do. And that's why I don't call myself a coach because I do not 
do the traditional coaching. It's, it's way more coached with spiritual, with my own method, the sugar jar method. It was amazing and it helped me learn the confidence to know how to talk to people and do it the right way. And getting out of that, because if you don't, you might be talking to them like you were a friend or giving your own personal advice. Like that's not what people are there for. They're not there for how you would do things. This Mm -hmm. is not a friendship conversation. You should be holding space for them and helping them to begin to understand more about what they need, not you giving your own checklist or your own, like this is a template. Oh, this is what I did in my own life. It's like, unless it's relevant. And that's just my perspective. Everybody, every coach, every healer has their own perspective. But going from there and just starting to work with people and connecting with them. And then, I mean, it takes time developing your own way of connecting and understanding people. And yeah. Okay. The sugar jar. I need to, I've heard you talk about it, but I would love for our listeners to get to, you know, your whole process, the day in the kitchen that this aha moment kind of happened for Mm -hmm. you. I love the analogy. I also love how you're an expert in boundaries and like the importance of them. And they're the, really the foundation of having just a strong connection to self, strong connection in your relationships. Can you just give us an overview on sugar jar? And also at what point in your coaching career did you have this aha moment? Almost five or six years. Wow. Okay. So I've been working with people, coaching, doing retreats, doing in-person workshops, all the things. But I was going through my own personal thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I just had a baby. I had just went back to work. I was completely overwhelmed. I had did all this postpartum care to make sure that I did not get to this space. And yet I was in this space of overwhelm. And so sitting in my kitchen just recording a voice voice note to myself because that's what I do. I like voice recording. Yeah, because I had a baby, so I didn't have time to write because there is. So this is like journaling. This is journaling, which you can do on the Sugar Jar community app, by the way. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. (laughs) um, So I was voice noting to myself and then I decided to send it to a friend. My friend was like, oh, my gosh, this is genius. (laughs) You need to trademark this. You need to. It was her reflection that helps me to see, okay, I just did something there with that. But this is truly how I felt. I was sitting in my kitchen with my daughter and I was just like, I feel like sugar. Like, you know how when you spill sugar, and we don't spill it often because it is so much of a mess mm-hmm. and it's in a tall jar. But when you do spill it, you're going to be finding it for days. It's everywhere. It's just, and my energy felt like that. Like there was just parts of me all over the place that I couldn't recollect that people were coming in and out, taking sugar, using it for whatever they wanted. And I was just there trying to keep up, trying to keep up. It was such an analogy for what I was already teaching, but it gave the visual perspective for people to be able to see what it's like when you're all over the place and you you know you might have lost a part of yourself that you now have to refurbish or, or fill yourself up again with. And it can be hard because even the process of cleaning it up is annoying, the cleanup, the whole mm-hmm. experience. So yeah, that's how the sugar jar was born. I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with it. It's such yeah. a powerful analogy. I feel like the analogy that's used the most is the cup, like if your cup isn't filled. Mm. And I feel like that one hasn't just been landing. Like I feel like this is a really beautiful way. I'm curious also because a lot of times I think women, especially with boundaries, it's like, or even with like people coming and taking a sugar, there's this confusion of people taking your sugar or your sugar being gone Mm. as that being love Mm. or like martyrhood. People get confused and they're like, yeah, but it's because I love them. Yeah. I mean, the main thing with the sugar jar is recognizing if you don't want people to be able to come in, then you need to have a lid on your jar. And that's the boundaries, right? And then even before that, how'd they get in the house? (laughs) Like you let them in the door. Why do they have a key? Really beginning to ask yourself, 
okay, I love this person, but do I need them to have access to me 24-7? And if the answer is no, then what boundaries do I need to put in place? And usually the conversation needs to happen with us first. It's never with the other person first, because what have we been allowing? And, you know, this is not in, if you're a victim of abuse or anything like that, this is, is different, pretend. right? Yeah. We're talking about people who are in unhealthy relationships, maybe unhealthy cycles, people-pleasing, perfectionism, codependency, and we get the validation from overgiving. We love people, so we hope that by giving them what they ask us for, that eventually they'll give it back. I love you did that post today. It was so good. <laughs> Thank you. And so good. If we just recognize that we have to give to ourselves first, we can show up for them. But then also our relationships aren't as healthy when we overgive because we usually harbor resentment. We're upset. You know, we're we're exhausted. It's a hard shift from overgiving or people pleasing or saying yes when you mean no to putting a boundary in place. But when you begin to think about how empty your jar is and you realize that like it's going to be you who has to put the lid on. Nobody's going to put the lid on. There's a jar of sugar there. Why not? Yeah. So, yeah. Totally. I feel like it gives people like they're you're putting them in the driver's seat. Yes, you're expecting people to take care of you. It's, a, it's another yeah. form of waiting for them to do the thing when it's you who totally. has to do it for yourself. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. I actually am really curious on what your thoughts are on the difference. Like I personally have this question, like in my relationship, to strike the balance between codependency mm-hmm. and being there for the person. So like I have been in a codependent pattern, even though I love this person more than anything, I've recently like caught this, right? Mm-hmm. I'm curious on your thoughts on still wanting to be a sounding board for someone, even if it's like a you know, a issue that continues to come up, which I think a lot of people can relate to. Like, you know, in a relationship, you want to be that cheerleader. You want to be that person for your partner. Mm -hmm. What would be like that first step for someone? If you're like, it's a big shift. It is a big shift to like, if you're for, you know, your whole relationship, you've been a certain way to then shift into being a little bit more autonomous or being a little bit more like not so codependent. Like what would be that first step into that? The first step I always say is asking yourself what you need. Before you say yes, this is hard because usually when people say, hey, are you available Saturday? You're like, yeah. And the reframe is going to be, let me check. I don't know. Just it's not a lie. You actually don't know. You haven't checked in with yourself yet. The example that you just gave in terms of like being there for people or going over the same thing with people when they're going through the same problems and things like that. There's nothing wrong with being a friend, being a partner to someone who's in a period of growth or learning or, you know, we don't need people to be perfect. Right. We just don't need to carry their problems as our own. So what a great distinction. Yeah. So asking yourself, like, what do I think that I'm responsible for in their lives that I actually have no control over? Like, do I actually have any control over whether they decide to change? Do I have any control over whether they decide to get help? Do I have any control over whether they decide to make that call or go for that job or do that thing. I have no control. The only thing that I actually can do is support them. But what do I need to do to support them? I need to ask them what they need my support with. Instead of let me be at the house doing the things, getting the things together. They, you know, I am like in mom mode when they are my friend or my partner. And even for moms, like as your kids grow up, you have to start asking, hey, what would you, what do you need from me? That's so true. So it's it's a shift from let me handle this 
to asking them, how can I show up for you? And then when they say, hey, this is what I need, okay, checking in with yourself. Can I actually give this to you without draining myself? Or in what capacity can I give this to you? Okay, I can help you on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but the rest of the week I can't. Or after eight o'clock, I might not be available because I'm working on getting more sleep, but any time during this time, like really giving those parameters, it's not about not being there. It's just about not giving 100% of yourself all the time. What great advice. Wow. That's incredible. I also, I love when you pose that question of like the why I've heard you talk Mm -hmm. about this on a podcast before on like why you do anything. Like even if like why you're going to introduce boundaries into your life, like that's a big shift for a lot of people or why am I going to try to change this or quote unquote, fix this or go to therapy. Like those why questions, I feel like I've even caught myself and I have been in therapy for a long time, but like I find myself finding kind of like a more superficial why. And I'm curious what questions you pose for people to get to the root why. Because I feel like the root why is where actual long lasting change happens. So I'm curious if that's something that you've experienced or if, if, yeah, if you have any wisdom to share with us on finding the root why. Yeah, I think asking yourself why you're really doing something is leading to the point of how can we be honest with ourselves in a real way? Most of us are not honest with ourselves. We're just going, going, going. Or we're thinking, oh, I'm doing this because if you ask yourself, well, why am I showing up in this way? Well, I'm doing this because that's what you do when you're a friend. Anytime we say should, anytime we say this is what I should, it's like an alert, (laughs) right? Should I be doing this or is this what I want to be? I want you to invite yourself to do things only that feel good. If you're doing it because you feel like you should or you have to, other than being a parent or caretaker, then there is not a actual energy or essence of true reciprocity in necessarily showing up in that energy. I should do this. I have to do this versus I want to do this. They asked me to do this. I'm happy to do this. There's this narrative of like in a relationship, there's sacrifice. Is that a narrative that needs to be broken or like, what, yeah, what are your thoughts on sacrifice being a part of relationships? I was talking to someone about this. Sacrifice gives me like Bonnie and Clyde vibes. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Like, do that. we have to go that far for a relationship? I mean, some people may be like, yeah, you know, I ride or die. Okay. <laughs> like, you get to choose whatever you want to do. But I'm, I'm, I'm more so thinking, yes, we do have to sacrifice some things. When I think sacrifice, I'm thinking we have to change some things. Meaning, if we think about the sugar jar, I can't, I only have so much sugar. So if I'm in this relationship, I might not be able to do the things that I would usually do with my sugar because my relationship matters to me. Mm -hmm. So instead of giving my sugar to go to Europe with my friends for two months, I'm giving my sugar to my relationship to work on our, our things or whatever it is, right? That's a sacrifice. Yes. And it's also just prioritizing. You're prioritizing what you think matters to you most. Are you sacrificing or are you putting your energy where you feel it matters most? And I love to think about the the true essence of a word. When you think about sacrifice, if you're listening to this, does it feel like something you would want to be doing? I'm shaking my head no. <laughs> so like if it doesn't feel like something you want to be doing, then we need to find another reframe for that. Like, okay, sacrificing doesn't feel good. So am I prioritizing because this matters to me because I'm excited to be with this person because I'm excited to build our relationship together. So I'm putting my energy into this. I'm committed to this. I'm devoted to this. This is where I want to be versus I should be. I have to be. This is what you do in a relationship. You know, if we think like SATC, right? Sex sex in the city, sorry. Um, (laughs) You know, 
the whole show was basically about her sacrifice to just be in his world. And that's what so many of us are doing, whether it's in our careers, our relationships, and different parts of our lives. When we choose ourselves and you're able to be in a partnership or relationship or commitment, friendship, and they choose you as you are, and we're going to change. So we're going to have to have conversations. We're going to have to recommit with those changes and transformations. But that's the freedom that we're seeking. We're hoping that the person will give us the freedom eventually, validate us through all the sacrifice we're putting in. But what if we showed up as ourselves? They showed up as themselves. We find a compromise and a way to connect. We live our lives from that space. And that's what my work is really about, not just in terms of relationships, but in terms of every ever, everything, yeah, you know? Totally. And I also find that in order to even show up that way in a partnership with a friendship, relationship, whatever, it really comes to loving and accepting yourself first. Because mm-hmm. if you're the expectation for someone else is to change or to be a certain way, like I think it's really like a reflection of how you think of yourself. So I think, again, putting yourself in the driver's seat and like yeah. you being the one to love and accept yourself as is helps you to also do that for other people. In my experience, that's what I felt like that. I've always wanted to like, you know, fix, change, do for others. And it's like, until I realized that like, I didn't need to do that to myself, that never clicked for me. It feels easier to say, you know, if you would just be who I need you to be, then we wouldn't have these problems. Totally. Yes, they may need to show up a little bit differently, but why are you there? If the way they show up And how they present themselves and who they are doesn't work. Then how did you get there? What did you ignore? What red flags did you not pay attention to? You also had to choose to ignore your own discomfort. So when we start with ourselves before we project, before we blame, before we shame, we're able to recognize, okay, no one dragged me here. Like I'm choosing to be here. So what do I need to shift or change? How do I need to communicate and be honest with myself first? So I can tell my partner, my friend, my boss, whatever, what I need and see if they can meet me. And then there's the the tough part. If If they they can, can. if they can't. Yeah. Right. And then having the strength to be able to choose yourself, if that means leaving, if that means finding another job, if that means doing something different. If it means doing something different or in the real world where we are not always able to leave our job or, you know, we don't want to break from a family relationship or friend relationship. We find a way to be a part of it. That still honors what makes us feel the most comfortable. God, you're so wise. I literally, I want to talk to you for hours, but I I want to be cognizant (laughs) of your time. Quickly, I just want to touch on your Instagram because I am obsessed with your content. I already said it in the beginning. I'm going to talk about it more in the intro. Your content has blown up in the past like year and a half-ish. If you guys are not following, you guys absolutely have to. I'll put it as the link in the Mm -hmm. show notes. I'm really curious. Are you a very like close to higher self spirit, whatever? I don't know if if you Mm -hmm. like call it something, but I'm curious as to how you constantly come up with these incredibly insightful and wise cap or not even captions like posts. Like, how do you do that on a regular? Like, it's infinite to me. Thank you. I, (laughs) I, so I'm writing all the time, every single day. I've always written. I've been writing since I was nine, but I did not write. Every day, right? Like who, you know, we don't write every day. But when I committed to putting my work in the world, I said, I I just want to commit to writing every day and see if I can. And then I just write every day. And so a lot of the things that I share, I don't share everything on Instagram, but a lot of what I share is from my own musings, from relationships that I've had in the past, 
but also from maybe a workshop. I don't share anything about anyone I work with one-on-one or anything like that. Like I usually try to pull from my own experience and then wash it down with the wisdom of like I was coaching someone, not my own advice, not Mm -hmm. my own. If I was talking to one of my friends, what I would say, like how I would hold space for someone. And, you know, I just share that. It's just, it it really is, you know, like there's certain artists, there's certain people that like, or even it's an artist that has a million songs, but they they have certain ones that you're like, that came from a higher place. Mm-hmm. I feel that about every single one of your posts. Thank you so much. I genuinely mean that. It's incredible. And you just recently launched your app. Mm-hmm. What was the mission behind the app and, and why now? I really wanted to create a place where I didn't have to worry about the algorithm. I didn't have to worry about any of the things. I can put out content. I can reach people like you, like other people who I, I just don't have the time to work with. 100,000 people one-on-one. Mm-hmm. We're not doing workshops and retreats and things like that at the moment. And so outside of Zoom, even Zoom, people are like, I don't want to do Zoom. So I just wanted to create something where no matter what I'm doing, no matter what's going on, if something comes to mind, I can put it there. And my community can get it. They don't have to be on social to get it and they can just access it. And So what is it exactly? Like what can, what can they expect? Yeah. So the Sugar Jar Community app is a place where you can begin to start your self-healing journey. It is going to give you journal prompts, which are free, affirmations, which are free. I'm going to start doing the posts that I put on Instagram, push notifications to your phone so you can get those like affirmations and insights throughout the day. But then also I have audio workshops because I love the idea of like doing the adulting we all have to do, but getting something for yourself while you're doing it. So doing that. And then I have video workshops for people who want to sit down and like actually do a a journaling workshop or a coaching. It's basically like you can coach from me one-on-one. So it's so exciting to be able to offer my work to as many people, you know, that want to show up. So, I'm yeah. so excited for you. I feel like you're just scratching the surface. This app is incredible Thank and you. I can't wait to see where you go. I have to ask this question because it's it's with my listener in mind. Mm-hmm. My listeners are seekers. Mm-hmm. They are people who really want to level up or to live in fulfillment, honestly. Like mm-hmm. level up, I actually don't even know if I like that term, but like they just want to live in fulfillment and alignment and mm-hmm. they may see someone like you or someone that has found it or has like come home to themselves mm-hmm. and don't know the first steps. What advice would you give them? This is going to sound so cliche, but I want you to start with the parts of you that you already feel are uncomfortable. Do not go looking for, I mean, yes, childhood stuff helps, parent stuff helps, all that stuff helps. But like, I truly believe in the theory when you pull one string, it it all shows up. So you, fi- you find where the, where the threat is actually coming from. So allowing yourself to look at your life right now, what is already uncomfortable? Where are you already feeling drained? Where are you already committed that you don't feel excited about? It could be your job. It could be a relationship. It could be friendships. But whatever that is, looking at, where is it that I betray myself? Like I say yes to this commitment, to this experience, to this life that doesn't feel good for me. Starting with honesty is the first place to begin to make that change. If we're not honest with ourselves, then we can't make change because we're making change from a place of what we think we should be doing versus what is actually uncomfortable. Should red flag. Should red flag. So I think that's the first place to start. If you can't afford therapy or if you don't have a coach and all of those things, starting from that place is incredibly helpful. Find friends, find people in your community that you do trust and that you can be vulnerable with. Have those conversations. If you feel comfortable, ask them for reflections and just begin to have that internal self-conversation. Get to know yourself. And 
it really begins to help. I mean, we, we often think, oh, I need a new partner. I need a new job. Maybe you do. I don't know. But you will begin to find those answers when you begin to get to know yourself and have those those conversations that we're ignoring. You know, like you'll ask, like, how are you doing? I'm fine. Partner's fine. Friends are fine. And we start to believe that. We start to believe the, oh, everything's fine. And maybe it is. But if if it's not and you're listening and you're like, I'm ready to get started, start being honest about what's not fine with yourself. You don't have to go out and like tell everybody else, you, you know, this isn't like <laughs> an invitation to tell everyone about themselves. <laughs> this is just a free, for you to begin. Oh, I love it. I'm curious, out of everything that you're doing, you have so much going on. What makes you come alive the most, which is what we call the active ingredient? Writing. I'm so excited. My book's coming out this year. Uh, what? Yes. yes. What? Yes. Oh my God. Is it, what is, is it a full book? Like, is it? It's, um, a, it's a book book. Okay. Yeah. <gasps> like life story, like. Like all the things. <laughs> what can you say? I can't really share say a lot that yet, okay. but I can't, I'm, I'm just excited for that to, to be I'm coming so, in the world. I mean, I will be pre-ordering 1000%. Thank you. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with no, thank you so much for having yeah, me. Yeah, this was amazing. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for making it all the way to the end of the episode. You have no idea how much it means to me. And I really do hope that you left this conversation feeling lighter, more in tune, and with some tools to apply to your own life. Please feel free to reach out to me via DM on Instagram. I would absolutely love that, which I have linked in the show notes on any feedback or guests that you want to have on. And if you do have a second, I would really appreciate you giving the podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts and a quick review. It really helps getting the podcast in front of more people like you. See you next week.